This is the Under the Dome Radio Podcast, the fan podcast by and for fans of the CBS TV series Under the Dome. And this is episode number nine of the Under the Dome Radio Podcast, devoted to the episode Manhunt. Thanks for taking the time to tune in and giving us a listen. Under the Dome Radio is produced by MediaVoiceOvers.com. That's MediaVoiceOvers.com. And our affiliate links. Check out all the ways you can help out the podcast at UnderTheDomeRadio.com slash love. Troy? Yeah, this time around, we're going to be going on the air as we talk about the third episode of Under the Dome, entitled Manhunt. And we will broadcast at the Tower, section of the show where we play your feedback and don't forget our broadcast sections where we thank these folks that are helping get the word out about the podcast. And most importantly, we'll go in the dome near the end of the podcast. You can call it the spoilery section of the show where okay. we can discuss you know, some of the differences between the book and the TV show. I guess there was some book written about this thing previously. So uh, we might be a little spoilery there, but uh, not much. I don't think this episode that I saw in my initial reaction of watching the episode um, probably about 10 minutes since <laughs> before we recorded this one, since obviously I was out of the country. <laughs> yes, you were. Welcome home. Show notes for this episode will be available on the website at underthedomeradio.com slash line nine. That's nine as similar to no in German, but the number nine, nine Beatles have a song about it. I'm Wayne Henderson, the podcasting voice acting Packers fan who once replaced the roof on his barn by myself just because and safely back in the u.s sharing hosting duties the fundraising bike riding tech teaching world traveling packers fan troy heinrichs you yes. are back people have been waiting for your return barely we had a uh, two-hour layover as we sat on the plane in miami so for the uh interesting transition it is to get from the far west side of the island of haiti it takes about eh, it's like 120 miles, but it takes four to five hours to get from Lakai back to Port-au-Prince. And uh, we managed to do that and get through customs and the airport and border control and all that stuff and actually made the connection in Miami with about 45 minutes to spare. And then oh. we were 45 minutes delayed getting onto the plane and then two hours delayed getting off the ground because there was some trouble at O'Hare. So the planes were grounded. And then just as we got the clearance, Oh, guess what? I got to experience Tropical Storm Chantel for the second time in a week. <laughs> That's a lot fun. of delays, Troy. It was, you know, but for the for the most part, the week was really good down there. Um, it's really, uh, you know, exciting to see the country and see what's happened since the earthquake in 2010. I mean, things are definitely progressing. You know, things are, you know, it is, this, you know, the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, but there are people that are, you know, working hard to make a better Haiti and lots of groups that are going down there. So it'll be very interesting to see, um, you know, how they progress, you know, especially being only a democratic culture for 30 years. So if you compare that to how we were as the United States back in the 1800s, you know, it's, it's, it's about the same, you know, but they, they have a very connected, you know, cellular network. Everything's done off of the cellular. Um, they're, they listen to their radio on their cell phones. They call mm. on their cell phones. They text on their cell phones. They internet on their cell phones. And there are even some cell phones that have built-in televisions, if you can believe it. So they pick up their TV over the cellular network. Are they showing under the dome down there? I did not catch it, so I'm not sure. But we did watch a couple of the Haiti soccer matches. Okay. Uh, which was uh, very interesting to watch, you know, TV on a 
you know, less than three inch screen and everybody's just cheering for, for Haiti. It was pretty good. I would assume that it's who they'd be uh, rooting for. And we, we talked a lot about uh, what you were going to be doing down in Haiti and how best uh, folks could even help out you and the cause that you're working on over there. And if anybody did not hear our last episode, second half after the awesome Sheila Brothers interview, we talk all about that and you can get all the details and links. Just go to underthedomeradio.com slash Haiti. Yeah, that was awesome. Thanks so much for putting that out. And thanks to all of you who've already checked out um, IIT Haiti on Facebook or at IITHaiti.org. You know, anything we can do to help the education, especially when it comes to technology down there. It just really helps the country um, produce jobs, create jobs. And uh, definitely helps lift them out of poverty. And I just thank all the listeners for any help that you can do to support them and their efforts down there. Absolutely. Now, a question as far as Under the Dome goes that I like to ask people is, what on earth do you think is going on on Under the Dome, the TV show? And if you want to let us know, share your thoughts, your theories, let your voice be heard, as they say. Be part of the show. Call the Under the Dome radio listener voicemail at area code 904 469-7469 469-7469 or again just go to underthedomeradio.com and there's a voicemail widget on the right hand side you can record your voice right from your smartphone or your computer and we will play it on the next episode now for the time being the under the dome radio podcast is not affiliated with cbs stephen king or the under the dome tv miniseries amblin entertainment or even that new rumored apple iDome device none of those things not yet I have no idea what that is since I've been out of the country. I just uh, was like, perked my interest. Like, oh, rumors everywhere since you've been gone. I dome. Okay. <laughs> so, so anyway, we are on the air, and we're going to be talking about the episode Manhunt. Again, that was episode three, season one, because I'm pretty sure we're going to get season two. And it was Manhunt, and obviously the Manhunt was for our dear friend, Officer Randolph, Played by Kevin Sizemore. Another awesome interview. If you missed that one, check out underthedomeradio.com slash Kevin. But uh, somehow he got out of prison already. Yeah, I mean, he just kind of jumped out at uh, uh, Linda Evans there. Just uh, swiped the keys. You know, nice, uh, good fake job there that she was able to do in order to, um, you know, uh, drag her and, you know, kind of co- coerce, her, coerce her into the cell this is what you get for being out of the country. You lose how to, the ability to talk, coerce her into the cell. That's what it was. And then, uh, you know, get the, you know, basically knock her out and long enough to get out, steal a rifle and then head into the woods. Poor Miss yeah. Esquivel. She got, she got beat, got a pretty good hit there when she was thrown to the ground. Yeah, I suppose, you know, I mean, she seemed to pop right back up right away. I thought for sure he had knocked her out, but uh looks like she recovered pretty darn quickly. You know, that what was interesting about this episode, there were so many scenes filmed at night or in the dark on this episode that for a minute, I thought I was watching Falling Skies. I was yeah. so confused. I, I actually paused it at one point and actually turned up the brightness on my television in order to um, make it more so I could actually see uh, Julia and Junior talking to each other. Because <laughs> even though they had the matches going in and out there, the, those matches didn't last very long. So... I wanted to make sure I got the facial expressions as they were having the conversations, especially about Barbie mm-hmm. and uh, see what uh, Julia was thinking there. If he can trust Barbie, can't trust Barbie and how that's going to play out. 
and whether or not anybody can trust anybody yet, it's great to see that Julia and others are finally at least getting suspicious of some of the motives of the other folks in town because, you know, for a while it just seemed like everybody was taking everything at face value, but now she is kind of suspecting Barbie and probably trying to decide how much of what Junior tells me should I take at face value, which I would say none. Well, and it definitely seems like there's, I don't know if it's sides being drawn, but there's definitely, like we talked about, it's like this would be like the chess pieces episode, getting all the chess pieces mm-hmm. in play for some payoffs. And there was a lot of that going on in here. Lots of comments. Um, Rose Twitchell at the diner talking to Barbie. Hey, it's only a small town. It's only going to get smaller. You know, and then uh, Linda um, talking to Big Jim. You know, it's like, you don't control me, Big Jim. You know, and that's going to come back to bite her, I'm sure. Because you I, don't cross, yeah, definitely don't cross Big Jim, right? I loved that comment because no matter what, whenever Jim says something like, We're all in this together. I like what uh, everybody at the diner was saying instead. Cause they, or even like Ms. Esquivel saying that you don't control me. I was oh. like, oh, man. Yeah, and then it was um, another interesting conversation uh, that uh, Junior and his dad were having. You know, <laughs> a couple of them actually, a couple of great lines that stuck out. It's uh, uh, the first one in the conversation in the morning. Uh, Big Jim says, you only get so many chances. Do not squander them. If that's not foreshadowing, I don't know what is. And it's true. And then he's talked to, he was talking to Junior about, you know, hey, your mom's been dead for like a while now. You know, it's time to suck it up, be a man. And it was interesting to hear Jim say that because does he really care about his wife? Is he, you know, granted he's mourned the, um, mourned the death of his wife probably previously, but, you know, you'd still feel love for her. And it doesn't seem like Big Jim is full of love at all. <laughs> no, he's, he's not Mr. Uh, Mr. Love that we, can see so far but it was kind of interesting also that uh and those i think were the pivotal scenes that stood out the most plus they were kind of in the daylight jim rennie doesn't seem to care all that much about his psycho son junior supposedly being beat up by barbie for no apparent reason well i I don't know if i i don't know if i caught it that way i mean it looked like he cared because he sought out barbie and he took notice of Barbie's knuckles when they were sitting at the Sweetbriar Rose, and then he kind of coerced them into coming into the manhunt uh, to find Randolph, and they kind of have kind of a you know kind of chuckle altercation, if you will. Oh yeah, they, get, they do. But then they get back to the house, and the, all four of them are standing there: Junior and Julia, Big Jim and um, Barbie. You know, and they kind of all exchange glances, and Big Jim kind of has that smirk on his face, like, "Oh yeah, you did do it. You uh, you know, really um, not so nice person, you." <laughs> try to keep it clean for the family. Um, I, I still think that Big Jim is more interested in having Barbie be on his team, at least for now, than whatever might have happened between him and his son. But if he does, it's because he wants to manipulate him. Well, of course, like yeah. Manipulating Coggins and some of the other folks. But the uh, the best line of the night, I think, was uh, Big Jim talking to Junior. <laughs> he pours him that giant glass of milk, and he's like, drink your milk now, Junior. <laughs> Yeah, while he's having uh, what bourbon or whatever, and he gives his son a glass of milk. It it just was really telling. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. It, it gives a really good uh, reference point for Big Jim and his kind of authority position because everybody's like a child to him, and he's going to treat them like a child, even though they're all adults and can make their own decisions and 
take their own actions. Well, I don't think Junior should be allowed to make too many decisions. He may technically be an adult, but he's not doing a very good job of making decisions. I didn't know if you noticed the music in this episode. The music in this episode had a very kind of different suspenseful tone to it. A little more kind of agitated or sped up a little bit. I don't know if Hmm. you caught that at all. Not really. I did notice there being music underlying the scenes and that they really added to the tone. I'll definitely keep my eyes peeled on next week's episode of Under the Dome. And listeners, if you think that uh, something is really targeting the music in a certain way, let us know what you think about the music and how it ties in. Does it make it more suspenseful or over the top or less suspenseful? Give us a call at 904-469-7469. Now, with the episode being entitled Manhunt, the actual manhunt didn't last all that long. No, and you can definitely tell that Barbie was throwing his um, Sawyer-esque capabilities, if you will. <laughs> Maybe even some Saeedness to him. And I it was think- like... Looking for the trail hunting there. I think that had a little bit of John Locke and uh, Kate in there as well. For those, we we have to always tie at least one thing back to Lost because that's where it all started. Well, I I had more than one actually because I thought it was really funny that the boar was running through the woods as well. (laughs) But now the boar was uh, being chased by Sawyer back in the day, and then as uh, Randolph was running through the woods, the the uh, the the pig just jumps out of nowhere (laughs) and starts running off. (laughs) I got a good chuckle out of that one. Wonder if it was the same one. Let the theories begin. <laughs> yeah. So you know, the island will appear under the dome at some point. <laughs> that would be epic. So long story short, no spoilers here. Everybody's seen the episode. Rest in peace, Officer Paul Randolph. We hardly knew ye. Yeah, but uh, Kevin Sizemore played it well. And yes, he did. Great to watch him. And hey, like any of these shows, anybody can come back to life, right? Oh, yeah, because they can always show backstories with flashbacks. We we definitely know that. So let CBS know how much you enjoyed P- Officer Paul Randolph. I mean, I still think that he would have been, even though he's a little over the top, you know, and maybe a little misguided, I still think he'd be the one to be on his team because, you know, he's got the weaponry and he wants to take actions and he doesn't trust things. And he, I think he foreshadows everything quite well the way he says this dome's going to drive everybody crazy and you're all going to die. The other really interesting thing that I caught in this episode was there was a nice shot again of Angie's shoulder towards the end of the episode. You and Angie's she, shoulder. Well, the, the camera focused on it. You know, it was a thing where the camera was focused on her shoulder and then the camera switches focus and goes to the door as Junior comes in. But uh, they're focusing on that butterfly again. And I just yeah. happened to notice how that camera focus changed. And, and that had to have been intentional. Oh, absolutely. Because I didn't notice it the first couple of times it was shown earlier on the early uh, episodes until you pointed it out. But in this episode, you're right. They focused on it. They made sure that you saw the butterfly on her shoulder. So let the conspiracy theories begin. 904-469-7469. So Troy, I think you're onto something. Do you think it's going to somehow tie into the, was it 11, 20, 63? Was that the right date? No, but I do have my kind of Stephen King throwback for this episode. Fling it Um, on us. It does tie into that 112263, which I have started reading. I'm about halfway done with it. And one of the things that I thought was great was they went into these old cement works down into the tunnels. And when you read 112263, a lot of the stuff in Maine, um, where they start out in, um, I believe it was Liberty Falls, and then they go up to Derry. Uh, and Derry is kind of the, they actually throw back in 112263, believe it or not, 
to the references to it, you know, and that the clown is not somebody that's your friend and everything floats down here and Derry's hmm. just kind of got this weirdness to it and everything. But in, in both of those towns, they reference like the old millworks and that when you go down into the sewers, you know, you never come back out. And so that kind of throwback with uh, Junior talking to Julian saying, without the flashlight, we're never going to get out of here and we're going to die. You know, I think that was a, a nice throwback to the 112263 book and the reference to the to the mill works and the steel works that they kind of use in the in that book. So do you think anybody was extra tense expecting to maybe see some sort of clown shout out when Junior was down there? I was looking for it, but like you said, it was too dark. So <laughs> it might have been there. Yeah, white makeup doesn't stand out so well. I can tell you that we learned a lesson on Under the Dome this week. Apparently, you can't beat up the dome. Oh, man. No matter how many idiotic punches Junior throws at it, that dome is there. So is that craziness or is that frustration? <laughs> Both. <laughs> and the dome goes pretty deep. Who knows yeah. how deep, but apparently there's no escape found just yet. And, you know, if that guy gets that skip loader or whatever and tries to dig dirt out he's going to definitely die getting that machine too close to the dome so well, i thought they were going to go down a little bit farther they, they didn't seem like you know from the stairs that we saw in the beginning as they started climbing down it didn't look like they went down more than maybe 30 feet total like three stories yeah but i think they're going to keep on trying to go further and i it just seems like in episode four like you said three that we just saw manhunt laying the chess pieces getting things in play i think that uh, all heck is going to break loose in episode four, and we've got to have some sort of other attempt to break in or out of the dome on that episode, I would think. But then there's the question of why do we collect things? Are we collecting things for fun? So we're, you know, collecting, you know, power in the case of uh, Benny and Joe over at Joe's house. You know, they're uh, obviously stocking up on the ladies you know, because they're the cool people in town because there's no one home for mommy and daddy to scold them from having a party. I mean, I thought this was a great episode, but personally, I thought that whole scene didn't even need to be there. But I think it's establishing some kind of characterization between the kind of football jock guy. I don't think we actually got his name, um, but I think we'll see some more between uh, Benny, Nori, and, and we got reference to Scarecrow Joe mm -hmm. for the first time uh, in, in this episode. Uh, for those of you that are fans of the book. And it was, um, I think there's going to be something more with that football type character. Maybe he becomes one of these new deputies that Big Jim alluded to to Linda at the end. Nobody really seems qualified <laughs> that we've seen so far. <laughs> like the two guys in the, in the diner. Um, but Angie is collecting stuff too. Yes, and she is. Now her collection's interesting. Yeah, I mean, is it something that you just want to take a step back and think about? What is she going to do with those scissors? Uh, oh, I can only. <laughs> I mean, Junior could use a haircut. Yeah, I'm just no, saying. I, <laughs> but I doubt. I doubt that's what she's thinking. But it, you're right. She's got the radio, which is good, so she can keep in touch with what's really going on, no matter what Junior tells her. But the scissors, I have a feeling that uh, within two episodes, they're going to end up in Junior's neck or leg or something. Or it could be wrong. Like you said, maybe he'll just get a new haircut. Yeah. And then uh, definitely the, we already kind of mentioned the big junior and uh, big Jim and junior daddy issues. But I think the real big kicker there was the car ride home with um, Julia. And he said, you know, I never really liked junior called me James. Mm -hmm. So 
So he doesn't even want to be called Jim. He wants to be called James. James Ford Lafleur. I guess. Could be. Yeah. So yeah. I have a feeling that if uh, Barbie or his dad call him Junior too many more times, he's going to go off again. Oh, yeah. He'll snap on somebody for sure. <laughs> and the line that in the book, I think it's in the book at least 20 something times. But we finally heard it on the show this week. We all support the team. Yeah, I think it's even a chapter or one of the part titles to tell you the to tell you the truth. I believe but, yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, definitely heard that. You know, it's a small town. We all support the team. We're all in this together. You know, definitely all kind of leads up to the, you know, which side are you going to to pick, right? Because if we all support the team, if you're not supporting the team, you're on the other team, obviously, because you have to have two teams in order to play the game. And Barbie said it very well as far as his thoughts on possibly being on Big Jim Rennie's team. He says something along the lines of, you know, being on your team apparently is hazardous to people's health because of yeah. what he did to the uh, showboat wide receiver on his high school football team. That's for sure. You know, don't run around with a football helmet in your pelvis, I guess. Is no, the is it, learn there. Avoid that. Avoid that at all costs. So. <laughs> That basically summed up the episode. I thought it was a really good episode. I know some people said not much happened, but after all the excitement in the first two, I think they definitely needed to take a pause, lay some more groundwork, because uh, it is bound to get super crazy this week. I almost thought with this episode that it jumped around a little bit too much. There was a couple scenes where it was like, okay, we're in the sewers. Okay, we're back at Benny and uh, and Joe's. And then, okay, now we're back in the sewers again. It's like, couldn't you have just done the Benny and Joe scene and then moved into the sewers and stayed on the sewers for a little bit. I thought there was just trying to get too much in, in short chunks. I don't know if that's because it's, you know, catered to people with ADD or something, but <laughs> I, it was like, let, let, yeah, I'd like to see maybe like the first 15 minutes, just focus on the Joe and Angie story. And then maybe the next 15 minutes focuses on the big Jim story. Mm. And then maybe the last 15 minutes of the show, you do like the quick burst check-in points. So it all comes together or something. But I thought this one was just kind of all over the place. I'll have you get in touch with uh, Amblin Entertainment and Stephen King and see what you can work out. But I say not very many minutes of uh, Junior and Angie. We, I, that's not the scenes. I, I don't like those. But I'm starting to like Angie's character, though, because she was definitely, you could see she's like using her brain and manipulating Junior into that, you know, hey, you know, we went to that place mm -hmm. and, oh, it was so much fun and we could be together again if you would just be the hero and totally stroking his ego. So I, I definitely think we're going to see more of that from Angie and it'll be interesting how she uses that. If she ends up ever getting out uh, with other people inside the town. Well, with a character like junior, she has to be very careful because all of that manipulation, if he actually catches on, it's that's what I fear is the, the violence that might take, place down in that uh, bomb shelter if uh, Junior catches on that she's manipulating him. It's not going to be pretty. All in all, though, Wayne, uh, what did you think of the episode overall? What would you give it? If I had to give it a number on on the scale of 1 to 10, I would say this was an 8.4. 8.4. Pretty good I'm episode. Going, yeah, I'm going 7.8. Oh, okay. We're in the ballpark. Good episode. I really enjoyed it, but I'm really looking forward to this week's episode because it seems like forever since I saw Manhunt a couple of times. Yeah, and, it, and uh, it seemed that from what I saw from the trailer, it looks like we're going to have Alice 
doing some things at the hospital. So we definitely have a throwback there for Alice's character, who from the book would be Thurston. So it definitely seems like Thurston was playing the doctor in the book, and now Alice is going to be playing the doctor in the uh, TV show. So at least that comparison might be there for us next week. We'll have to wait and see. We will have to wait and see. But uh, from uh, the promo, Living Salty on uh, Twitter says that she makes an appearance there in the promo. So we may uh, uh, keep an eye out for her and our other Domi friends. Yeah, I just, I really, you know, uh, snatched through it really. I, I watched it very quickly, so um, I'll have to go back and rewatch it again to see if I can pick up Living Salty out of the crowd. Well, it, and it was a very fast-moving promo. For those that want to stay totally spoiler-free, that's all we'll say. So with that, let's go ahead and move into the broadcast uh, section of the show. We want to thank our friends who played our Under the Dome radio promo on their own podcast this week, Robert and Chelsea Harrington over the, at the It's Just Us podcast which is at it's just us cast.com we'll have a link in the show notes to make it easy tough to say that even one time fast they give us props on the excellent interviews that we've done and they were mostly excellent because the guests we were interviewing sheila and kevin were excellent so that worked out really well they gave us props on that and uh, gave us very kind comments and played the promo so robert and chelsea thank you so much did a great job on the touch fan cast and uh, hoping next spring when 24 comes around you can use your jack bauer moment of the week to talk about jack bauer so we'll wait and see how that goes as uh, spring rolls around just throwing out a little hint there for you so we also want to thank uh, the folks uh, we got a new uh, some a couple of good new reviews in iTunes. We thank everybody for those. If you want to leave your own review and let folks know what you like about the Under the Dome Radio podcast, just go to underthedomeradio.com slash iTunes. And with that, we are going to move on to At the Tower, where we uh, play your thoughts and theories and share your voice with what you think is going on on this show. And first, we're going to start off with an email that came in Um I'll read this one, Troy. This is from Jason Taylor, not the guy that used to play for the Dolphins, but a uh, longtime listener of Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan and and now Under the Dome Radio. Uh, Jason has his favorite line this week being uh, when Benny says, dude, it's the apocalypse. Advisories don't apply, which is an excellent line and kind of true. And uh, Jason's favorite scene, he loved the shot of Linda in the cell near the end with Duke's hat on. Yeah, it totally shows that she's uh, accepted the role as sheriff, I think, in that in that scene at the end. And I kind of nodded that it's kind of one of my favorite scenes, too, from this week. And maybe also a little shout out to her friend, Duke, who also rest in peace, because maybe the best way to honor him and his memory is to take over the job and try to do it in the way that Duke would have ran it. Yeah, he also mentions that he um, really wanted Junior to kill uh, Julia in this episode because he had found her annoying, questioning Linda's ability to do the job in the front of everyone was inappropriate. And I thought it was interesting that both Joe and Nori also had a second episode of Seizures. Yes. They're the only two that have had them so far. And now they kind of, and it almost sounded like there was a electric shock when they touched each other's hands. I don't know if you picked up on that sound effect at all. But uh, they, uh, they touched each other and they both went down with the uh, pink stars falling in lines. There was definitely something that happened. I wonder yeah. if we're going to see other teenagers or children or even 
older folks having these same seizures, or is it mostly going to be those two? He also mentions that Joe, being as smart as he is, wouldn't you think that uh, all those cell phone chargers would have blown the power strip or the generator? And then uh, Angie uh, hasn't been home in two days. Why hasn't his? Uh, why hasn't Joe noticed that his sister's gone? I mean, <laughs> that's that's an excellent question, Jason. Yeah, my sister, she's somewhere. I mean, she can't be too far. We're trapped under a dome. But at the same time, that's an it, excellent question. And it, and it just proves to go the state of our humanity today, you know, because Rose Twitchell over at the diner is like, yeah, Angie hasn't been into work for a few days, but family, <laughs> ah, I could care less where the hell that person is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think since they both made... Well, since Jason made mention of the fact that the brother hasn't noticed it yet or made much of a connection yet, I, I would assume in this next episode, people have got to start getting more suspicious and rose down at the diner. I always think of Juanita down to the diner on the on the Andy Griffith show. But uh, also yeah, a good point with uh, Joe being such a wonder kid, not knowing that, you know, if the whole neighborhood's over plugging in, that maybe we'll blow the generator. Yeah, I don't know if they blew the generator or if it was just the power strip got overloaded. I'm not sure which which actually fried first. So we'll have to keep an eye on that to see if his generator's out or if it was just the power strip. And, uh, you know, this means you can only charge one at a time or so. I, said, I, I should know being down in Haiti because obviously the power in Haiti doesn't stay on all that often and has some really and stuff. So, yeah, we got to run the generator a few times and there's only two plugs on that generator. And uh, apparently fans, of all things, uh, as we're trying to keep cool, take a lot of juice from uh, the generator, which we, you wouldn't think a fan would use that much ampage, but apparently it does. So, yeah, so we'll have to keep an eye on the generator to see what happens, if it actually blew or if it was the power strip. Hey, Wayne and Troy, this is Robert from the It's Just Us podcast. I've got three comments here. Uh, the first one is the butterfly tattoo made another appearance, and they wanted you to see it. They zoomed in nice and tight on it. I, I don't really know what it means. I'm not a, uh, you know, I'm not familiar with uh, Stephen King's other works, but I know that I think it was Troy uh, mentioned it early on that maybe it was in reference to one of his other books. And the second one is that they're going to have a really hard time deputizing people, being as that they're losing one officer per episode. So I certainly wouldn't sign up for it. And the third comment is, and this one is the most serious, okay? Uh, if it were not for the podcast, I think I would probably stop watching the show because of this. Just kidding. When Joe was talking with What's-Her-Name, uh, he said, They rebuilt the Death Star in Return of the Jedi. It was almost fully operational. When clearly Emperor Palpatine said, quote, now witness the power of this fully armed and operational battle station, right? So what's up with that? How could they have gotten that so wrong? Anyway, I guess I'll keep watching, but only because you guys are doing such a great job. Talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> Robert, thank you. As, as long as you keep watching. We appreciate uh, the kind words there. And another shout out kind of to Joe d doing a major gaffe on the show. Well, I mean, it was functional. I mean, yes, it could shoot the giant laser and blow up the planet. But, yeah, it was still missing half of the side of the Death Star. So it wasn't completely constructed. The Emperor just has a, you know, ego that he has to stroke in that final scene against uh, Luke and, you know, uh, Darth Vader there. So it's just, um, and, and, and 
I see his point, but at the same time, it's cool that the Star Wars reference even made the show in the first place, I thought, personally. But that's just me. That's just you. That's just Troy. That sounds like a whole other podcast. Uh, Robert brings up a great point, though, about with the fact that we're having an officer die every single day. Isn't it going to be a little difficult to find volunteers to join this particular police force at this time? But, I mean, all the officers aren't dying because people are hunting down officers. I mean, well, Duke true, died, but Duke died because the pacemaker jumped out of his chest. I mean, that's a freak accident. You know, Maybe. The bullet, bullet ricocheted to Freddie. That's a freak accident. The only one that was gunned down was Randolph and people had cause. So, you know, yeah, I think people will sign up. No problem. Power I, I, is power, no matter how you get it. <laughs> whether it's a generator, whether it's just Big Jim himself thinking he has it already, and because he's the only, he, he alluded to it again, he's the only council person left in town. Yeah, he made sure that everybody knew. So my question is, what happened to the other two council people, or if there's more than two? Um, just referencing the book, that there were two more. Um, but what happened? That he's the only council person left. Are they dead? Are no. they there? Was there some secret election that said we only need a, a mayor, basically, and no council people? Maybe. So, I think one of them might be that person they found out uh, or found his legs out by the dome. Could have been. <laughs> council member having a picnic and, well, oops. Council member Halfman. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's a good point. Anyway, we've got another email. Troy, take it away. Yeah, Neil from Bowie uh, sends us thoughts again on Manhunt. I'd uh, love to hear has- his voice. Yeah, he still has laryngitis, but he's hoping he'll have recovered, hopefully by the time he gets back from vacation, as they're cruising in Europe. Oh. So that'll be fun. I've always wanted to see Greece in the Mediterranean. Um, Greece is the the word. It is. The episode started with interesting skateboarding scenes, something for the younger audience and interesting that they would skateboard on the dome without suffering any hardship. Uh, Paul says that the dome is making everybody crazy, and at least in his case, and Junior's, this does seem to be the case. So I wonder if it's accentuating some either dominant or underlying personality traits in people. Mm. It's too bad that after uh, you snagged the interview that he was already written out of the show. Maybe we'll see him again in a flashback. That's see, what I'm hoping for. Lost fans know how this works. You know, he's not dead. <laughs> Checking the out the. Yeah, checking out the factory tunnels was a great idea. The more information they get from the dome, the better. Um, definitely battery-powered anything, including flashlights, even though it's just a D-cell uh, in that battery. Um, definitely wreaked havoc on the flashlight. Uh, Junior probably wasn't the best person for this, but luckily Mrs. Shumway was there as a good observer of what went down. Besides learning more about the extent of the dome, she got some insight into Junior. She also got more reasons to suspect Barbie. I wonder when she's going to ask him about the encounter with Junior as we also learn more about her as well and her interesting curiosity and how she questions people. Uh, It's funny that they mentioned a possible bacon shortage earlier on and we see a pig (laughs) then on the list later. Wow, good catch. I totally forgot about the bacon shortage. That's a really good catch. Bacon is hot these days. Oh, yeah. It's the Um, other white meat. There was somebody that was talking to me. Uh, We have a Sonic you know, for any listener that knows what a Sonic is, um, we have a Sonic that just opened uh, near my house, and somebody was talking about a peanut butter and bacon shake. Hmm. I don't know <laughs> if those go together, but anything with bacon's got to be good, right? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I like that they actually acknowledge the Simpsons movie. I did catch that one. I just kind of glossed over it, but they did mention the Simpsons movie uh, in the show. 
and that the uh, generator sure increased Joe's popularity until it was abused and overused, and then everybody left. Now, has Joe and Nori touching hands earlier, or was this the first time they actually connected with each other uh, physically that caused them to go down with the pink stars falling? Uh, I think this was the first time they touched. I think so, too. Yeah, because they, they only looked at each other across the bucket brigade in the previous episode, and they were nowhere near each other in the first episode. So I think this is the first time they've had physical skin-to-skin contact. Um, he also says that it was nice that uh, Linda saved Big Jim. Uh, that should help her for a while, even though Linda said, you know, basically shut up, Big Jim. Don't tell me what to do. So interesting to see how the Linda-Big Jim relationship will play out. Um, that's about it from Neil except for some Facebook comments that he's already posted. Um, we'll take a look at those. Uh, great going with the podcast so far. Hope he'll be able to call in soon after he gets back uh, from Bowie. That is Neil. Excellent, Neil. Thanks for sending that in. We do hope you get your voice back in. We hope to hear everybody's voices. Again, you can send an email, but it'd be even better if you record an MP3 and attach it to that email and send it to us. Or go to the website under the dome radio.com and use the speak pipe widget on the right hand side or call 904-469-7469. Yeah, and I think with that, um, we are going to wrap up this section for now. And of course, if you love ha- hearing your voice on the podcast or just love the podcast in general, uh, you can definitely uh, go over to under the dome radio.com slash love and find all the ways that you can help support the podcast with an Under the Dome t-shirt, Under the Dome coffee mug, uh, pre-order uh, the Blu-ray version of Season 1, Under the Dome. Uh, I'm sure Season 2 announcements will be coming soon, uh, with the ratings still looking pretty good after the third episode. So definitely go out there, support the show, and we'll be back with our spoilery In the Dome section coming up here right after this. Coming this fall is one of the most anticipated network television premieres in ages as ABC presents Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Join me, Hank Davis, and my TPEnetwork.com co-host, Alex Cruz, as we launch a new podcast dedicated to the upcoming S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show. Over the summer, Alex and I will talk about the origin, cast, comics, and any S.H.I.E.L.D. news that we come across. In true TPEnetwork.com fashion, this podcast wouldn't be fun unless we included our awesome community of fellow TV fans. Feel free to start chiming in with your thoughts, theories, news, and questions. You can reach us at our voicemail line. That's plus one, 810-309-8445. That's plus one, 810-309-8445. Regular toll charges do apply. Or you can use the SpeakPipe widget on our website. It's on the right-hand side of our website. Just click the button that says SpeakPipe and leave us a voice message through your computer using your headset or microphone that's attached to your computer. No phone call required. Or you can email us an MP3 file or just a plain message at tprfans at yahoo.com. That's tpr. F-A-N-S at yahoo.com Until next time, S.H.I.E.L.D. fans I'm signing off Wow Hank's got a voice That he does, we've heard him a couple times call into the show and I think it'll be great to hear him uh, and Alex was also called into the show uh, talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. which will, from what I understand is going to be a very interesting show in itself because it doesn't look like it'll focus on the actual superheroes but maybe 
a different angle for the uh, Marvel Universe. Well, I thought it was pretty cool. I w watched the extended promo online today, and it's looking like for uh, Tuesday nights this fall, that's going to be a pretty cool show to check out. And Hank is definitely a podcasting veteran as well. So if you're a fan of Marvel Comics, check out his Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Shield fan podcast coming very, very soon. In fact, he's got an episode already out where they kind of break down part one of the comic book origins. So... With that, while Hank was telling you all about that new show that's going to be super cool, we took the opportunity to shift gears, rewire stuff, and we are now in the dome, in the know, Troy. Yeah, and I think we're kind of on what it looks like to be like day three uh, in the television show. And yeah, there wasn't a lot of similarities, I thought, in this particular episode that tied directly to the book, other than about this point in the book is where we got the... Um, you know, we all support the team kind of conversations. And so I think that this one really followed the book closely in the sense that they were really setting up who's on whose side, who's kind of interested in who, who's kind of questioning who, and then moving into the state of the deputization of future police officers. <laughs> um, I really like in this episode, though, because this is about the time that in the book, Randolph would have been uh, named uh, the sheriff. Uh, but since Randolph is dead, killed by Linda, I guess you have to go to the third in charge. <laughs> and uh, Linda ends up becoming sheriff in this episode to make it a little bit different from the book. But definitely know that there's a sheriff in town, so it's not Big Jim running the show. There's definitely Linda to be answered to. At least for now. <laughs> you know, knock her out in a cell and uh, you get a bullet in your back, I guess. <laughs> Poor Ms. Esquivel. Um, other things that were kind of kind of a shout out or call out, um, you know, it's the formation of the um, the young people crowd, if you will. No, oh, so definitely <laughs> Benny, Benny, Joe, and Nori are kind of getting together in the book at this time, and we're definitely seeing that with the party at the house, and definitely going to have you know that group be kind of a core uh, knowledge base, central based, uh, documenting the events and. I'm, my, my guess is on that is that eventually they are going to be able to get some kind of communication out with these videos. Otherwise, why record the videos in the first place? So you're going to have to get those videos out onto YouTube somehow, some way, or at least to the military. So I think we'll see those videos leak at some point later on in the show. Just a theory. Joe has been filming quite a few things. You know, everything from poor uh, Kevin Sizemore, Officer Randolph, getting shot or doing the shooting. And then his buddy Benny's excellent skateboarding skills on the dome. Yeah. And we didn't talk a lot about, um, uh, what was the name? Coggins in this ep episode, but he was in there a couple times. Uh, again, big Jim kind of questioning if he was high or not in reference to the, uh, the drugs. Oh, he spilled so the spit it right out there for people that didn't catch the, uh, little allusions to it in previous episodes. Yeah, he definitely he, the propanes are the propanes definitely for the drug operation. So we have that as an exact correlation to what the book is about. Yeah. Um, but, but to uh, what extent, I wonder. And at this point in the book, you know, Coggins, I think, is having his uh, quote unquote spiritual revelation at this point. Um, obviously, as he's high as a kite, uh, <laughs> you know, in his church, you know, saying that God talked to him and that he should expose the whole thing. Um, so at this point, Coggins isn't quite exposing, you know, the the, the situation, at least not but, on purpose. But I definitely like the line that Big Jim had towards him, which was the Lord never gives us more than we can handle. So yeah, it, I, that, that could be taken a couple of ways, either one, <laughs> biblically, as it's stated, or two, uh, you know, you can take as much drugs as you want because 
He'll never give you more than you can handle. I think it's a biblical line taken totally out of context for Big Jim's own uses. Well, you know, you got to keep the reverend in line, you know, got to remind him where he comes from, I guess. My goodness. Yeah. And just the way he said, you know, the only evidence really tying us to this is right here in our noggins. So you got to keep control of that thing. And, and he kind of then uses like a biblical reference too, as they're talking to Barbie in the woods, you know, he uses uh, that an example needs to be made, you know, an eye for an eye. So he's kind of got a little old Testament in him and then he's got a little new Testament in him as oh, well. I didn't pick up on that. But we got stuff coming up in the future. Uh, I think we'll see some characters we haven't seen in a while uh, in the next couple of episodes. Oh, yes. And definitely our our um, our domies are uh, starting to make an appearance uh, with next week's episode. So it'll be great to see uh, what this episode looks like tonight, right? Because we're putting this out on Monday, uh, July 15th, uh, since I was out of the country. So definitely listen to this and get ready for tonight's episode with your thoughts, theories, comments, uh, crazy things, um, you know, giants are still in play. So definitely, uh, I'll take anybody that wants to come onto my bandwagon for that one for the giants um, and their contact lenses. And absolutely. You know, <laughs> and Regis Philbin probably still thinks it's dinosaurs. Yeah. But the, the contact lens would definitely be dried out at this point. So skateboarding on it shouldn't be a problem, but, uh, yeah, definitely call in your listener thoughts and theories. 904-469-7469 or under the dome radio podcast at gmail.com. Or, of course, the usual places on Facebook and Twitter. I do want to take this opportunity. I was hanging out with the family, the extended family, and my sister-in-law and my niece had a theory. But I could come on, call 904-469-7469. But no, they didn't want to do that. But I thought this was an interesting theory that I have not heard phrased quite this way. They don't know who it is that might be behind this dome, but they believe that the purpose of the dome might be to protect everybody that's in Chester's mill because the rest of the world is going to suffer complete annihilation. And then the folks under the dome will be the only survivors who will eventually all die off except for Barbie and Julia, who will then be like repopulating the earth or whatever. Yeah, and I'm still a fan for the idea that there might be multiple domes out there with different sets of characters, you know, and then if you think about it that way and then take that theory into account um, from your family, you know, you could almost say this is Jericho the reversal. If anybody was a fan of the TV show Jericho, where they basically blew up multiple towns uh, on purpose to basically create a brand new United States. So in this case, you know, if we actually think about it the other way, maybe they have to wipe everybody out. So only certain populations are um, controlled repopulation to have, you know, certain types of, you know, genetics or strains of DNA uh, repopulate the earth. Yeah, it's a good theory. I like it. I, I could I could get behind that. We shall see. It's noted here on the podcast. Again, if you want to see the links and everything mentioned on this episode, we've got them over at underthedomeradio.com slash nine. Since this is our ninth episode of the podcast, we'll be back very soon with our next episode. But, you know, those rasin frassin propane tanks, as the voice of Steve would say, they're running low again. But the conversation doesn't end there just because the propane tanks are running low. You can always find out the latest and greatest about the Under the Dome Radio podcast by visiting underthedomeradio.com and coming soon you're going to be able to or actually it is now in play as of this episode being out you can now donate and sponsor the propane tanks we did have a listener 
donate the uh, weekend level uh, propane tanks that kept us on the air for a few more days. And you too, if you would like to help out, you can sponsor a tank of propane, small, medium, or the full week broadcasting special. And check it all out in the right sidebar over under the dome radio.com. And you can always drop us a nice comment or discuss with other fans over on the Facebook page. Leave your comments or even share uh, Domehead related picks and swag. We've got new uh, ones of those too. Yeah, just keep them coming. They're awesome, awesome, awesome. Facebook.com slash Under the Dome Radio. Definitely keep the conversations going on Twitter. We love hearing from you guys and how you uh, love Screen Gem Studios and Sheila Brothers from last week and more great interviews coming up. Uh, we can't say anything just yet, but uh, definitely keep tuned for a special episode next week, July 22nd. Uh, as we roll out a special episode there for a character that will make a grand re-entrance oh, yeah. uh, to the show. Oh, yeah. uh, so definitely stay tuned to at UTD Radio Podcast and use the hashtag pound UTDR or hash UTDR, depending on where you are in the world, so we can find those tweets faster. And of course, always keep subscribing in iTunes. We can definitely have more listeners uh, as the community gets bigger and a potential season two looms in the distance. Uh, we can definitely have some fun. So uh, recruit your friends, tell everyone, subscribe in iTunes, definitely leave a review or at least a rating as it helps out the show. And then just remember to, uh, again, sponsor those propane tanks or show us the love by visiting underthedomeradio.com slash love. And again, let your voice be heard. Call us at 904-469-7469 or go to underthedomeradio.com and use the SpeakPipe widget. And we've had some new Domehead photographs added to the Domeheads section of our site while you were in Haiti, Troy. So folks, if you haven't checked those out, go to underthedomeradio.com slash Domeheads. Check out the latest submissions. Some very creative uh, entries there, letting us know different ways that people can be trapped under a dome. But that about wraps it up this time. But until that next episode of the Under the Dome Radio podcast. If you're looking for us around the mill, you can always find us. Lost, out on the fringe, trapped under the dome. <laughs>